0: Welcome to the Fueling the Future podcast, where we get to the bottom of global trends, issues, and developments in fuels and vehicles. Are you looking for real insight and analysis from the industry's top experts? Are you trying to stay ahead of the curve and read the tea leaves? Then you're in the right place. My name is Tammy Klein, and with me today is Henry Kamau with Sustainable Transport Africa. And we're going to talk about the African situation when it comes to transport, fuels, and vehicles. Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to have you with us uh, today. So my first question is for the listeners who may not be familiar with Sustainable Transport Africa. Can you talk about it, its mission and your role within the organization? And then can you also talk about the organization's initiatives as it pertains to fuels and vehicles?
1: Uh, Yes, yeah. Uh, Sustainable Transport Africa is an NGO, a non-governmental organization, not-for-profit, that was registered in Nairobi in uh, 2013. And it's focused on the transport sector. Uh, as a director of uh, Sustainable Transport Africa, I am involved in identifying and securing initiatives for the NGO to pursue. Uh, this has led to partnerships in transport-related activities for Africa with uh, international organizations like uh, UNEP, the Partnership for Clean Fuels and Vehicles, that's within UNEP, and the Electric Mobility Programme, also within UNEP. In addition, we've worked with the GFEI, that's the Global Fuel Economy Initiative, uh, the FIA Foundation, uh, World Bank, uh, the Africa Sustainable Transport Forum, which is uh, supported by the World Bank uh, Division, uh, SSATP. That's the Sub Saharan Africa Transport Program. Then also with the GIZ, T U M I version of the GIZ. Uh, that's tr- transport and urban mobility initiatives. And then also with the Slocat Partnerships, we're a member of the Slocat Partnership. We've also worked with the PIEA, the Petroleum Institute of East Africa, and collaborated on a lot of uh, things with them. And also with UITP Africa and uh, UNEA, that's the United Nations Environment Assembly. Uh, we, we actually held uh, a function there a couple of years back, and that's on our yeah. website. So Sustainable Transport Africa joined uh, the initiative to phase out lead in petrol in Africa, and then uh, moved on to reducing uh, sulfur levels in uh, diesel in Africa. Uh, we've also worked briefly on biofuels, but the biofuels is abandoned due to food, food security issues. So we're now working on improving uh, fuel, fuel economy, introducing emissions, testing and introducing electric mobility. We're also working on the introduction of BRT systems in African cities.
0: What is the Africa situation with respect to transport now? I mean, it's a lot of countries on the continent, you know, I know that. But just from what are the overarching kind of issues and themes that you're, you're seeing? and what, what are the biggest issues and what do you think can be, can be done about them?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest issue in Africa is that the, the, the cities in Africa have the highest urbanization rates in the world. So the 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 population within the cities is really growing at unprecedented rates, and uh, ownership of vehicles uh, ranks very high on the aspiration index of uh, many Africans. So the first thing they want to do when they, when they, when they get a job from university is the first thing they'll do with their salary is to buy a car, not even a house. So uh, now this has led to the unsustainable influx of imported used vehicles because they're affordable and uh, new motorcycles, uh, mainly used for. Uh, as the public taxis. Uh, This results in uh, heavily congested cities with worsening uh, air pollution, and many are above the WHO's minimum standard for air quality, uh, resulting in increased ailments such as respiratory diseases, various cancers, premature deaths, etc. The adverse uh, health impact is mainly on the non-motorized urban public, uh, the majority of whom can't afford medical treatment, And even worse uh, is the effect of air pollution on urban children who are poisoned in much higher doses when exposed to to poor air. Uh, We have also been involved, along with other players, in sensitizing African governments on these issues and the need to urgently improve urban air quality above the minimum standard set by the WHO. Uh, Several initiatives have been undertaken, primarily improving fuel quality, to both reduce direct pollution and also to enable the emissions control mechanisms in vehicles to function properly. Uh, This will be followed by the introduction of emission testing of vehicles later on. Uh, We're also advocating for African governments to limit the age and mileage of used vehicles that are imported to the continent. And uh, we also attended meetings in uh, London last year and Geneva uh, this year uh, with global vehicle manufacturers. Uh, Basically, this was to seek support from them on uh, used vehicles that are shipped to the African continent uh, to allow for proper inspection and maintenance uh, equipment to be available to us, as well as uh, support in terms of spare parts for these vehicles. We are also involved in promoting the modal shift from private vehicles to public transport through the introduction of bus rapid transit systems uh, integrated with uh, non-motorized transport facilities. On the technology front, that we have embarked on a new drive to enhance electric mobility on the continent, which has abundant resources of uncapped renewable energy.
0: You talked about urbanization to sort of start off the uh, your commentary, and it is when you look at the the data and the statistics and you see the the growth coming from that continent. I mean, it is absolutely astonishing. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing to see the the growth there. And you're right. You're right. The first thing, you know, in my experience in, in working in, with um, emerging economies on fuels and, and vehicles issues, the first thing that, that people want to do is to get a, get, get a car. And it is a, a very you know there is a, a stigma there i think it's lessening in the west but there is to some degree a, a stigma still here here at least in 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 the us you know if you have to take public transport you know you're you're in it means that you're in a, in a different caste or in a different class so the habit or the the need to want personal transport to sort of say you know you've arrived you know is really strong so you know, how do you convince people, you know, to uh, you know, to make that shift?
1: Uh, what happens in Africa is that the the options aren't uh, available. So if you need to get from point A to point B, you're you're best off in your own uh, vehicle because the alternative uh, public transport uh, is is informal. Uh, they're dirty. They're very insecure. So. Uh, a lot of people feel safer in their cars as well so because of the security issues. So we need to make uh, public transport safer, uh, more secure, cleaner. Um, and that'll get a lot of people out of their cars and into public transport and reduce some of the stigma associated with uh, uh, public transport.
0: At the moment, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. But I, I think when we talk about uh, decarbonizing transport, and this isn't just an, an Africa issue, my observation is, is I think – you know technology is is um you know is one thing and you know avail- availability of of technologies like you know electric vehicles is one thing but i think the most the hardest transport is a hard area to decarbonize and i think it because it all comes down to the consumer and their behavior and i think that's gonna that's the toughest challenge i think for decarbonizing the sector is convincing people you know to to make changes but you're right if you make things uh safer cost effective available sensible easy to use you know they will choose uh, another another path so that's that's really the challenge there
1: Yes, it's actually to encourage them to to, to choose another path rather than uh, forcing them to do it. But I guess you'll have to balance the two.
0: You talked a little bit about taking sulfur out of diesel and I wanted to ask you it what is the status of fuel quality like in in African countries currently overall and and you also talked about you know secondhand cars and the and the need to deal with that and I've been following those those activities um, and, and and discussions um, at the international level what kind of cars are, are kind of out there on on the road because it seems like you know, poor fuel quality has really um, contributed to, to, you know, just horrible, horrible air pollution in many African cities. So, can you talk a little bit about that um, dynamic, those dynamics?
1: Fuel quality uh, has seen uh, significant improvements, uh, largely due to the push by uh, UNEP, uh, the PCFV division of UNEP, that's the Partnership for Clean Fuels and Vehicles. Uh, they have led, uh, they have been at the forefront of. Uh, eliminating lead in uh, petrol or gasoline. Petrol or gasoline is now uh, lead-free in Africa, throughout Africa. Uh, But there's still a challenge with the diesel. The the sulfur levels in diesel is very high. It's been reduced in many countries. In many countries, it was over 7,000 parts per million. It has been reduced down to 500 parts per million in many countries. And in a few countries like Kenya, it's down to, in fact, in East Africa, it's down to 50 parts per million. And there are some countries like Morocco and so on, which and Tunisia, I think they're they're down to 15 parts parts per million. So there's still a long way to go for many African countries. Uh, The target is to reduce uh, sulfur in diesel down to 50 ppm in all countries. Now, that's what uh, UNEP is aiming for in Africa. Uh, Some countries who have already achieved that 50 ppm target are already looking ahead to improve this and uh, reduce it down to below 10 parts per million and, uh, and be in line with the rest of the world. And with the exception of South Africa, which which bans the import of used cars, and a few other countries such as Egypt that makes the cost of vehicle importation prohibitive, Uh, most African country vehicle fleets consist of over 80% used imported vehicles, uh, with the average age of used imports ranging from three years in one or two countries such as uh, Mauritius to eight years in a few countries such as Kenya, and over 15 years. Uh, In the majority of African countries, like in Uganda, the average age of a car that lands on its uh, borders is 16 and a half years. So you'll find uh, the average age of the vehicles that are in use uh, in Africa is really bad. So you could be talking of 25 to 35 years. So that's uh, very old. So, of course, uh, poor fuel quality and old cars exacerbates the air pollution problem, uh, which has historically been largely ignored by African governments due to other more pressing needs. Uh, this focus has ever changed recently, and they are looking more and more at the issue. Second hand car imports can be beneficial to the continent uh, if there are limits placed on the age and mileage uh, based on technical grounds. Uh, this allows for rap- the rapid adoption of affordable new technologies that improve air quality and reduce road fatalities. Uh, and in both cases, African governments have noted the, that the impact is unfairly, mainly on the majority of non motorised uh, non motorised public. Uh, The ideal age and mileage limits uh, would be four years and under 20,000 kilometers. Uh, However, due to the political nature of the problem and the need for affordability, many African countries are likely to settle on eight years and 100,000 kilometer limits uh, in the near term. The biggest problem, uh, however, is not the user vehicle imports, but the lack of inspection and maintenance control systems and enforced regulations. This is now the aspect we are tackling with African governments. Uh, modal shift in transport modes to sustainable transport such as BRT is recognized as having the biggest impact on improving urban air quality and reducing adverse health impacts. So this is being looked at by, by many African governments.
0: Do you see governments? I mean, it's it's one thing for um, UNEP through the partnership for cleaner fuels and vehicles to push for limits on sulfur and, and secondhand vehicles and, and inspection and maintenance and things like that. But how progressive are active are governments in actually wanting to tackle this issue?
1: Uh, on, on the on the aspect of uh, fuels, the governments have been very active and supported supportive on. Uh, uh, limiting the poor quality fuels from entering the country. And uh, there's been a lot of progress that's been made on fuels. However, with the uh, emission controls, it's a bit more challenging as, as there's a cost aspect to it. And uh, there's a lot of investment required uh, in equipment for testing. But some countries are undertaking uh, emission tests. Currently, there's no country in Africa. I think it's only South Africa. There's no country in Africa that actually has uh, emissions, emission standards in place and are enforcing them. So this is something now that we're starting to to encourage uh, many governments to introduce.
0: You talk about um, um, taking sulfur out of of diesel. Are most, and I I can't um, recall this myself from my own work in the region, are most personal or passenger cars, are they diesel or are they gasoline or is there a mix of both? Uh,
1: There's a mix of both. There's a lot of gasoline and diesel, but the the majority by far is uh, diesel. So about 80% of the fuel that's imported is for transport is diesel fuel.
0: So they really sort of follow Europe, um, in, in, in that respect. So then do, do many of these countries, um, cause I know that there's, there are, of course, there are re- refining companies and, you know, there's SASL, there's NNPC, so on and so forth. So are, um, many of these countries, you know, importing um, cleaner diesel or are uh, some of the refineries able now to produce it? Or is it a bit of both?
1: Fortunately, despite the fact that there's some oil being uh, being exported from Africa, uh, we don't have any refineries that are able to refine uh, the diesel to these levels. So a lot of the countries that happen to import uh, refined diesel. Kenya just recently shut down its refineries and, and started importing uh, diesel fuel. That's why we were able to manage the switch uh, quickly to higher quality uh, diesel fuels. Uh, the higher cost hasn't been such an impediment. It's been accepted by the public uh, because of the, 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 the benefits on, on, on the running of their vehicles
0: it is it is kind of an interesting thing because i have i've have seen this you know potential to to happen is you know many of these refineries are are really uh they're they're really old and um the the technologies that 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 need to be um, installed at the refineries are really just uh you know out of reach from a cost perspective so I see that trend happening, um, more and more, um, across the continent where, you know, this, you know, for, for as long as there are, are, um, you know, diesel fuels for for passenger cars and also for for heavy duty trucking as well. The, the continent will become more um, more more and more of an importer. Is that um, a concern, or in the long term, not really, because the air pollution is so bad that like that it sort of outweighs. You know, the, the, those kinds of benefits are outweighed.
1: In, in fact, it well, was we, we prefer to shut down the refineries and import uh, cleaner fuels. Uh, because of the health impacts, uh, the health impacts were pretty great. And then also with uh, upgrading the refineries, the costs were so prohibitive that it was actually better to start uh, to start building uh, new refineries, especially where new oil deposits have been have been discovered in many uh, African countries, uh, and this would make it cheaper to export the oil as well. So uh, there's a shift in the way because oil 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 refining has been done like in in, in Kenya has been done for fuel that's imported. The crude used to be imported and then it's refined. But now that we've discovered oil in Kenya, we're now looking at refining the oil closer to source. There's oil also in Uganda. They want to build their own refineries. And these will be modern refineries that can produce uh, uh, the the good quality loss of uh, uh, fuels. So, I think they're going the way of building brand new refineries and abandoning the older ones because they're they're being converted into storage tanks and so on. So, yeah.
0: So, let me ask you a little more about fuel economy because you talked uh, about that. How do you see um, fuel economy, countries tackling fuel economy standards, and how do you see that evolving um, in Africa?
1: Yes, yes. We've just completed a a program with the World Bank on. trying to sensitize African governments on the issue of uh, fuel economy. Basically, fuel imports for African countries accounts for the single largest import commodity by value. Uh, This drains precious uh, foreign exchange reserves and weakens our economies. Therefore, for Africa, improving the fuel economy of the national vehicle fleet is uh, crucial in enhancing uh, development. Uh, The bulk of fuel imports in Africa is utilized by the transport sector at over 80% in, in many countries. 20% or less utilized in industrialization. We have participated in the GFEIs, uh, that's the the Global Fuel Efficiency Initiative, Uh, GFEI's global push to improve uh, vehicle fuel efficiency uh, with our effort focused on Africa, with the target of halving the fuel consumption by 2050. And they've labeled this as uh, the 50 by 50 campaign. Uh, In Africa, we are focused on encouraging governments to introduce uh, CO2 labeling, that even on used imports uh, to guide consumer purchases, then this and couple this with the taxation incentive, or to, to to get people to buy more fuel efficient vehicles. So it's a very big issue for for Africa.
0: And I would think almost uh, from a policy standpoint, given the import bills, you know, kind of a a no brainer in some sense. I mean, it's talk, it's saving money, lots of money going out the door.
1: A lot of money going out the door. But there's been an issue because uh, the governments have been uh, getting a lot of revenue from uh, taxation on fuel.
0: Oh, yes, there's that. (laughs) Exactly. More fuel efficiency, less revenue. So, in terms of decarbonizing transport, um, electric vehicles seem to be the one of the, the main strategies that uh, a number of countries around the world are looking to. And you mentioned actually electric vehicles um, earlier in the interview, and I was a little surprised because it doesn't seem, um, you know, it seems like a more of a long-term strategy, but may- maybe I'm wrong. So, my question is, is, is this a practical strategy? You know, How do you see the electric vehicle market evolving in Africa?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, to start off with, uh, Africa has an abundance of uh, renewable energy supplies, uh, providing over 70% of power in some African countries and over 50% in many uh, African countries. Uh, decarbonization through electric mobility, therefore, is a natural choice for Africa. However, the co-benefits of electric mobility are greater to sell to African governments, uh, such as uh, reduced urban air pollution, reduced fuel imports, uh, reduced vehicles, spare part imports, etc. Uh, these would all be beneficial to the development of African economies and it would be easier to sell electric mobility that way. Uh, we are currently involved in advocating for the introduction of battery electric motorcycles whose prices have fallen to competitive levels. Uh, motorcycle imports outnumber used vehicle imports, so this would have a significant impact on reducing or on, on improving uh, air quality in our urban centres. Uh, we also participated in the development of Kenya's transport NAMA on battery electric BRT buses for Nairobi, uh, which was presented in Paris at COP21, and succeeded in attracting uh, funding. Uh, also in Cape Town, South Africa, and Marrakech in Morocco, they are trying out uh, battery electric buses. Uh, in their BRT routes. And Uganda has also developed a solar-powered battery electric bus, uh, which was featured on CNN and the BBC. A number of Nissan LEAFs are already in use on the continent, and even a few BMW i8s. So the interest is there on the continent for electric mobility. However, a lot of support is needed to develop vehicle charging infrastructure, both on-grid and off-grid, along with the development of feed-in tariffs. The uh, African governments are yet to aggressively legislate for incentives to encourage electrical mobility. However, this will be our focus.
0: So, I want to ask you also about biofuels um, as well, because there's been a sort of off and on interest in doing biofuels uh, over the years. What's your view on biofuels as a as a sustainable transport solution?
1: Biofuels are a, are a clean uh, a source of energy for for motorization. Uh, however, uh, biofuels were recently uh, the focus of much research and investment uh, in Kenya and also in other African countries. So a lot of research and investment went into ethanol production for petrol or, or gasoline. And uh, for biodiesel, the of farming, a supposedly hardy crop uh, that's grown in marginal areas, was also uh, developed for bio, biodiesel feedstock. However, the ca- in the case of ethanol production, the competition with the food, and liquor market was too much, and supplies for fuel dried up. Well, with, with, with the Jatropha, yields in marginal areas were too low. Um, the shift to fertile areas was deemed as a threat to food security, so it was abandoned in, in, in many countries. Uh, very few countries in Africa have developed uh, biofuels policies, and this has kept uh, many investors away from uh, biofuels in Africa. Uh, there have, however, been attempts recently at recycling used cooking oil for biodiesel production, uh, but on a small scale. So the African continent really isn't looking too much, and uh, the international organizations are also advocating for the use of biofuels too much on the continent.
0: But it could be um, in the future, you know, as we see, you know, like uh, other types of bio-based diesels. I mean, it could be a, you know, like renewable diesel, like Neste's, uh, uh, Neste's uh, renewable diesel, for example. It could be a potential, you know, Market um, Africa could be a potential market. Do you see it that way or no?
1: I think all options are on the table. Anything uh, can be considered, but at the moment, a lot of African governments are not uh, are not keen on this, mainly because of the the, the revenues they get from uh, fuel imports, uh, which are very high. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also uh, uh, biofuels. That that uh, challenge on uh, uh, food production. So in the like with with for example, Kenya, uh, a number of years back, I think back in the eighties, uh, we had introduced uh, an ethanol blend in petrol, gasoline, and uh, it was mandated that ten percent blend uh, was required for all petrol that was sold in the country. This uh, stopped because the supplies just simply dried up because the food industry was offering more for the ethanol uh, that was being produced uh, mainly mainly from uh, sugarcane, so the competition was too much for food and beer production so that that policy, I think, is still in place, but uh, the supplies aren't there to, to manage it. I think if these economies can, I don't know, if the supplies can be availed, then uh, and and there's a benefit in terms of cost, then it's something that could be looked at. But at the moment, I think the focus is really shifting towards uh, battery electric vehicles, uh, particularly running off uh, renewable uh, fuels, uh, renewable energy. Yeah.
0: So the big strategies, just to to sum up here, really are. Bus rapid transit for public transport, electrification uh, where it can can be uh, reasonably done for now. Heavy focus on improving fuel economy and fuel quality, in particular reducing sulfur in diesel. Putting into place tougher um, emission standards, and then inspection and, and maintenance—more um, of an, an inspection, uh, an enforcement scheme—to make sure that that the standards are being followed. Okay, that's quite a list. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which one of those do you see for um, out of those six priorities? which one do you see as one or two that you see are the most important and that will will probably make the biggest difference?
1: Okay, right now, because of uh, the, the in-use vehicles, definitely inspection and maintenance and uh, uh, ensuring that our, our, our vehicles pollute, pollute less because the fuels have been improved. So we just need the vehicles to, main, to be maintained so that they can uh, emit uh, uh, what, what they were designed to. I think that's the current focus, and that's what the governments in, in many African countries are currently uh, focusing on. So it's with the existing fleet, with the existing technology that we have in place. And then um, uh, a BRT is very big. A lot of governments, I think in Dar es Salaam, they just launched a very smart uh, BRT system. Uh, they have uh, three systems, I think, in South Africa, in Cape Town and Johannesburg. Uh, uh, also, Tunisia, I think, have uh, BRT. So it's something that is beginning to expand uh, on the continent. Uh, but that's probably after uh, inspection and maintenance and emission testing on vehicles uh, but the thought about uh, electric vehicles is that uh, we could leapfrog uh, the cost of uh, expensive inspection uh, expensive inspection uh, and maintenance equipment as well as the fact that cars are now getting to euro 5 euro 6 the cost of these vehicles are is really getting very high so we could probably bypass uh, getting to Euro 5 and 6 by adopting uh, electric vehicles. Uh, if you remember, our cars in Africa are like 8 to 15 years uh, behind what's, what's being sold in Europe and so on. So the cars coming in are probably Euro 4, uh, Euro 3, Euro 4. So uh, and, and some uh, Euro 5 just starting to come in now. So we're looking at a way of progging the more expensive uh, technologies on uh, emissions through uh, electric mobility.
0: So the last question I have for you on on that uh, topic is, and for the show is, you know, given the resistance for, from some governments to losing you know revenues on fuels, will that create a barrier then to to wider scale electric vehicle adoption?
1: It will definitely be an issue because with the governments, uh, th- their priority is on uh, revenue generation for the development agendas. So anything that impacts on the revenue that they're collecting uh, 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 it will have a very small chance of being supported by uh, governments. So it, it needs to be packaged intelligently. If if, if they're not going to get the revenues from the fuel, uh, then they need to be shown where the savings will come from on uh, reduced fuel imports and be convinced that that will be the case. As well as if they can uh, also get more revenues from electric vehicles. If, if the volumes start to go off, maybe they can switch taxing to uh, electric vehicles. So. So that's the challenge, and, and we need innovation in, in, in how that will be addressed. But definitely, there's no African government that will want to lose that uh, revenue that's coming in from taxation, despite the fact that it's depleting uh, foreign exchange reserves. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, we'll end it there. That's the show. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Henry so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure to have you and to talk with you, and I hope you come back as the activities in Africa continue to develop.
1: Definitely, I will. Yeah, I've enjoyed the show. Thank you.
0: So please do us a favor today before you go. Head over to iTunes and rate this podcast. This is huge for us in terms of improving our ranking and keeping the show visible so that other people can discover it and hopefully benefit from it. Thanks ahead of time for helping us out there. And if you're looking for more insight and analysis on future fuels and vehicles issues, sign up for my free newsletter at futurefuelstrategies.com. Thanks again.